0: Happy Monday. Welcome to NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio here. on uh, As you kick off another week, uh, busy, busy day. We're going to talk with Christian Walker, formerly of the Reno Aces. Sometimes with the Reno Aces, we root for him when he's with the Aces, but we want him to be with the Diamondbacks. It's so difficult when it comes to AAA baseball. Joe Bradley of Bradley Drendel and Janae going to join us talking about how he's helping clients and, uh, and support his employees as we get through this. The GOAT Challenge continues with Otis Burrell, track star, Versus Frank Hawkins, the Hawk, the former Oakland Raider. So that'll be a good one. And we had live sports come back this weekend. We'll bump that around as well. But uh, we had some cool news uh, come across our desk as we broke that on on Saturday. Chris Drew Scaliere, quarterback of Bishop Minogue, grandson of Chris Alt, commits to play football at Nevada. Just seems right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a super, super cool story. I mean, and Drew earned his way onto Nevada's roster here in that scholarship. I mean, he's got great size. He's six foot two. He's pretty lean right now, but you anticipate he'll be able to add some weight. I mean, he's been a two year starter for Bishop Minogue, led them to back to back regional championships, led him to a state title game uh, as a sophomore, and was a key piece in doing it. He's a very mobile quarterback as well. He's got uh, you know, really good ability with his legs and, you know, th- he's thrown 52 touchdowns against only 15 interceptions the last two seasons. So uh, Nevada offered him about a month ago and he was still weighing some options. That was his only FBS offer up to this point. I know he did a virtual tour of campus uh, with the Wolfpack staff, which I'm sure he's already seen campus. Uh, I remember talking to him during that 2018 season with Minogue and I asked him what his first football memory was. And he said it was being in the Boise State locker room or the Nevada locker room against Boise State in that 2010 win. Um, so he just is silver and blue through and through. I know Coach Alt is super, super proud of him. He's a very good baseball player as well, so maybe he suits up for T.J. Bruce's team at some point. But just a, a great story to be able to keep a really talented local quarterback at home, especially given his bloodlines.
0: Alex, I don't think you can grow up with that bloodline and not have a high football IQ.
2: Well, yeah, and, and just an undying passion for the silver and blue and wanting to play for the Wolfpack. But I think it's important that Chris pointed out that this was an earned thing. This isn't just because of the last name and and the relationship and and who he is and and who his grandfather is. Uh, He's done great things at Bishop and He's shown great leadership skills. He's shown the ability to move the football and, and and be a guy that can really uh, be a good leader in the locker room. And and you talk to the people around Bishop and and they, they love Drew Scalaire. He's a great kid. Uh, So he's going to be an awesome uh, person just to kind of add into the university of Nevada in their football program. And, you know, one thing that will be interesting to see is, does this keep more kids from Bishop Minogue in northern Nevada? They have had a few kids every single year now going playing Division One football. And, and, and oftentimes, recently, it's been high level Division One football. Can you keep some of these, you know, marquee athletes in northern Nevada uh, with somebody like Drew kind of leading the way and, and, and providing that connection? I think that will be something that'll be really interesting to keep an eye on.
0: Now yeah, that was something we kicked around before the show even started, is that, you know, we have a lot of naysayers in our area, and I'm sure it happens in Fresno, it happens in Boise, and all these Mountain West markets, where local kids who are superstars leave, and they go to the Pac-12, they go to another Mountain West school. It's not because that local school didn't offer them 99 times out of 100, it's usually because they have offered, but the kid wants to go somewhere else, and sometimes that happens, but I would love to see a pipeline between not just Monog, but our local high schools Back to the University of Nevada to see that pride um, kind of kindle back up again. Speaking of some former Wolfpack stars, though how about Jordan Caroline? He's uh, decided to take his talents overseas. Chris, he's going to Israel.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe not the first place you'd think, but with the G League shut down, I mean, he got to go make some money. So uh, Israel is currently in a pause in their season. They paused it in the middle of March and uh, they're expected to resume play June 20th without spectators. So a chance for him to go overseas and make some money. The team he's joining is right now eighth in the 12th. league out there I mean Jordan just had kind of a bad break I mean he signed with the Lakers uh, was with them with summer league was with them with training camp then had to have foot surgery which kind of put him uh, in a position where he just couldn't make the Lakers roster so then he spent the beginning part of the G League season on the bench just because of that injury and then the end of the G League season gets postponed and canceled because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic so he was just put in a very bad situation in terms of trying to make an NBA roster this year he can go overseas you know get to play some games so that's something he hasn't really done a ton of he did play 15 games with the Lakers G League roster but you know maybe get into better shape so when the next NBA season rolls around he has some more confidence he can make another crack at going against an NBA team but uh, you know it's, it's a good opportunity to go out there and make some money and just uh, you know get some rust off his game just given that he hasn't played that much over the last year.
0: Alex what's your gut feeling on this I mean we saw Cameron Oliver go overseas after declining for the draft didn't get drafted he's been in Australia what's your gut feeling on what happens to Caroline?
2: I think it's a good deal for him. I mean, Israel has proven to be one of the best uh, places to go play overseas. We've seen Ramon Sessions go there. We've seen Kevin Pinckney play in Israel. So I think this is a great opportunity for him. I think it is an opportunity to make some money and get some quality playing time. I think the competition there uh, will, will be much better than other places overseas. I think if you look at Israel, it is probably, in my opinion, one of the top five markets for basketball overseas. And, and we've seen, again, a lot of Wolfpack players have success there. So I think Chris is right. You get to just go play. Going to go out there and play and, and, and get some minutes under his belt, and, and maybe he finds his way back uh, stateside. But if he doesn't, you know, this could launch him into a great overseas career, and, and there would be nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, guys have made a lot of money playing overseas after leaving the University of Nevada. What would you recommend food wise? You've been there, you're very familiar with it. What would you well, recommend?
2: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I've actually been, so he's going to A Lots, and I've actually been to A Lots. It's a beautiful. Um, coastal city right on the, I believe it's on the, the Red Sea, um, and right on the border of Egypt. So I was, I was fortunate enough to go on birthright when I was in college and, um, the food in Israel is incredible. It's really fresh. You know, it's, it's not so dissimilar to other Mediterranean countries, but, uh, you definitely got to get get some good shawarma. You know, you get a, the, the, the beautiful pita wrap stuff with some shawarma and some fresh cucumber and some tomatoes, onions. They throw some fries in there, some sauce. Uh, I'll take one of those any day of the week.
0: Alex, of course, is our world traveler. Traveler, you can also catch Holland holidays on our website nbatossportsnet.com. But I'm not taking the crown off of the head of Alex Margulies <laughs> anytime soon. Coming up after the break here on NSN Daily, we'll chat with over Aces outfielder with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Christian Walker, first baseman. Excuse me, first baseman. It's, we're in quarantine. I forget positions sometimes. That's coming up after the break.
2: Welcome back to NSN Daily alongside Chris Murray. I'm Alex Margulies. Joined now by Christian Walker, former Reno Aces slugger, now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Man, you've been playing baseball your whole life. What's life like right now? Uh, not traveling, not playing. It's got to be weird.
3: Yeah, yeah. Weird is um, is a good word for it. It's 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 hard to really put into words. We're um, you know we're staying busy. We're working out. We're we're hitting and and running and doing all the things we need to to keep our bodies in order. But um, it it's the mental freedom it's it's uh, not being at the ballpark you know for for 10 12 hours a day it's it's um it's different especially this time of year it's it's I'm not used to to getting um you know summertime and hot weather and things like that and um, but but it's 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 nice I'm trying to take the time and, and
1: spend this extra time with my family and and enjoy uh, enjoy the downtime while we have it you had to be pretty pumped for this season too, just based on how last year went. I mean, you hit 29 homers. You really get your first chance to be told this is your job at the big league level. Go out there, and we believe in you. And you really prove them right. How much did last year mean to you, just to be able to get a full season under your belt at the MLB level?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was huge. It was important for me. Um, I felt like I had something to prove. I felt like um, not that not that I was getting um, like underestimated or anything, but I just felt like I, I still. I still had something on the table to prove at the big league level. And um, last year was, it was a great year. It was awesome to get a full season under my belt and, and navigate through the league and and try to figure out pitching and all that. But um, I still feel like there was a lot left on the table for me um, looking back at last year's stats. So, so very excited, very motivated going into the off season um, coming into the 2020 season, looking to get a a good start
2: and, and um, you know, bring a, bring a world series back to Arizona. How hard was it to kind of re- remain resolved, you know, to your dream and the fact that, you know, you you came up with Baltimore in 2014, but you only got a couple of at-bats. Got back there in 2015, but again, it was only seven games. You got to Arizona a little bit in 2017, a little bit in 2018, but then last year you finally got real playing time and a real shot. Uh, how hard was it mentally, physically, just to kind of keep pushing ahead, knowing that you had the skills to do this? Yeah, um,
3: it, it's for me it
2: was a mental battle. It's um
3: it's it was mental because I knew that it wasn't physical I knew that I had what it took i knew I could hit the big league level um I knew I could if I got my opportunities I could play defense at, at an elite level and um so so for me the the mental side of it was understanding that it wasn't physical and um you know literally just waiting for an opportunity to come um you know you hear something enough in this case being told that I'm going back to triple A you hear something enough, you maybe you start to believe it or it starts to creep in. Maybe I'm not good enough. You know what? what can I do to stay? And um, you know, for me, it was just constantly pounding that that wasn't the case, and it was just a, a literally, a, you know, a job opportunity situation.
1: And you were on like what four different teams in like a month period in winter of 2017. What was that period like? Just being like, you know what's what's going on here?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was um, that was spring training of 17. Uh, started with Baltimore. They designated me. I was claimed by the Braves, they designated me, claimed by the Reds, Uh, they designated me as well, and then claimed by the D-backs, ended up clearing waivers with the D-backs in 17, and 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 that's when I played that year in Reno. Um, So so a crazy experience, I I met so many people that year, Uh, taught me a lot, Uh, most importantly I think to be my own coach, Um, didn't really have somebody to count on that spring to, you know, regardless of all the stuff that was going on transaction-wise, I was still trying to get ready for a season. And, and try to earn my way back on a roster and back to the big league. So, so trying to just coach my way through my spring training that year and, and still get ready for a season, uh, it was important. It was, it was an important lesson.
2: Christian, I'm, I'm sure your minor league records don't mean a whole lot to you, but you were the home run king in Reno with the Aces. You had the single season record and the career record, but that was broken last year uh, by your teammate Kevin Crone. Uh Has he talked any trash to you about the fact that he's now Reno's home run king?
3: Oh, uh, that's a loaded question because all Kevin Crone does is talk trash. <laughs> he, uh, no, I was really happy for him. He had a great year. We, um, offensively, we have a lot of great conversations. Me and Kevin, we we enjoy hitting together. We we talk hitting a lot. Um, not necessarily the same ideas, but but we just understand uh, where each other are coming from offensively. And I think we have similar goals up there. So so uh, I was real happy for Kevin to to have that year that he had last year and. Um, definitely was an accident. He uh, he worked hard for, for everything he's gotten.
1: There's not usually a lot of trash talking in baseball, right? That's more of like a basketball thing. What's, what's the conversation you had at first base with a runner that you remember more than any other during your career?
3: Um, I think for me, it might have been um, – it was like a, almost like a starstruck scenario. It was, uh, I think, my, my very first – I think before my first big league camp, um, I was in minor league camp with Baltimore – Um, I think I got brought over for a big league game Um, ended up going in in like maybe the sixth or the seventh inning and uh, we were playing the Phillies and and they still had uh, their their starters in and Chase Utley ended up getting on first base and I grew up uh, just outside of Philadelphia and um, a huge Phillies fan through through the World Series and all that so uh, for me that was pretty cool Uh, very surreal very early in my professional career to come face to face with a guy like Chase Utley and um, learn how friendly he was and how awesome he was and um, it was uh, it was a great experience.
2: Going back to your relationship with Kevin Cronin, I have another question for you. So let's play this out. Home run derby between you two guys, who's hitting the most home runs and who's hitting the furthest ball in that competition?
3: Oh, that's tough. Um, I, I want to say me for both, but, <laughs> but that's the trash talk coming out. I think, um, man, I, I feel like I got to give him – maybe furthest ball street sheer size and strength he uh he uh he's gigantic but um I feel like I I gotta claim one of them so I'm gonna claim most homers for sure but I'll give him the farthest
1: (laughs) I mean that 2017 season you had in Reno was was an epic one I mean what what do you remember just about playing in Reno playing at that ballpark downtown and just your experience here in northern Nevada uh I had a great time um really my first experience um in
3: in that area or, or you know that that area of the country so i didn't really know what to expect going into it um i had come up with with baltimore so all i knew was their farm system so getting to know the d-backs and getting to know reno and uh settling in and the, the coaching staff there was great um uh, from from gg to Cami uh to laser everybody was, was was awesome uh throughout so so for me it was it was just a comfort thing settling in quick and and um you know feeling feeling like i was a part of the family
2: what was that experience like for you just going Chris kind of mentioned it before you bounce around several organizations and then you land uh, with the Diamondbacks. But you know, I, I know for a lot of guys, it's tough. You you kind of grow up in an organization. You might be there for five, six, seven years. And all of a sudden you're kind of starting from scratch. Was that a, a tough experience for you or did, or did you enjoy the new challenge, being in a new place, meeting new people? Uh, both for sure. Both uh, definitely tough. Um that's the last thing you want to
3: hear is, Hey, we're taking you off of the roster and we're going to put you on waivers. Um, and knowing that they had just signed Chris Davis to a a big deal and my opportunity at first base probably wasn't going to be there. Um, it was, uh, disheartening for sure. But looking back, um, the best thing that could have happened to my career, no doubt. Um, I think at 17, it took a lot of pressure off playing that year, not on the roster, not really with anything to prove just, uh, just going out there and, and trying to trying to earn my way back onto the roster again and um, it was it was uh it was a nice a nice mental spot to play for that season.
1: I mean everybody obviously says fingers crossed MLB is able to come back cuz usually this long haul this 162 game schedule it looks like it'll be more like 80 82 games. Does that change anything? I mean it seems like it just opens everything up. I mean out in the NL West anybody could win it because fewer games I mean every game even that much more important and then you get hot for a little bit and maybe it rides you to a championship in the West. yeah yeah definitely
3: the the hot streaks and the cold streaks uh hold hold some more weight for sure um I, I think I think uh baseball has this funny way of of um kind of keeping every everything evened out and um seems like seems like most of the time the best team does win so um I'm looking forward to it I'm, I'm really excited I think even now more than ever obviously everybody's itching but um, this is going to be—it's going to be a weird year. It's going to be in a category of its own. Um, almost try to for me—I'm just going to literally keep it like that and 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 look at it as um, you know, just a one-time compartmentalized. If it's if we got to play into December, that's what we got to do. It's it's just going to be a funny year, and um, I'm really looking forward to it.
2: I tell Chris, he's a Dodger fan all the time, that yeah, maybe this is the year the Dodgers win. It, they'd have to win in a shortened season, like that's the only way. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys are getting a title. Uh, Christian, before we let you go, how you been passing the time? I mean, I, I know you're working out and hitting and do all that kind of stuff, but are you are you working in the kitchen at all? Are You working on some new recipes? Are You picking up a game? Like what what's been your kind of way of getting through the doldrum?
3: Um, so so the kitchen. My my first instinct was to figure out a new um, I don't know baking or or something cooking wise to to just try to try to master, but um, this rental out here is, is it's not my kitchen. So I, it's not a, it's not like a fully stocked kitchen. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to dive into that. So, um, I made some limoncello. There's a lot of citrus trees down here. Ooh. Uh, teammate, teammate gave me a bunch of lemons. Um, actually just finished up a few days ago. So little things like that. Um, just spending a lot of time with my wife and my dogs. Um, just, just hanging.
2: How do you do that? So you just take the lemons and let them ferment? Like what's, what's the, what's the key here? Yeah. So you peel
3: them. Um, I peeled like 50 lemons, infuse it. You basically just let it soak with grain alcohol and then dilute it with some sugar water. But
2: it's, it's over the course of like two or three weeks. I'm sure that's going to be a nice one to pop open soon. Good deal. We got it. Yeah, we actually have it. Oh, let's see it.
3: (laughs) Oh, a big old jug of that. Yeah. We had two gallons, but I've been giving it away to friends (laughs) and
2: everybody around. Good deal, man. Well, uh, we uh, are glad to hear from you. Glad you're here and you're doing well and uh, looking forward to getting this baseball season going and uh, seeing you get back out on the field, man. Yeah, me too. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking. All right. Christian Walker, we'll have Aces games as usual. Those replays coming up this Thursday and Saturday here on Nevada Sportsnet. Check our website for all the details. Until next time, Chris Murray, I'm Alex Margulies. More of NSN Daily coming up right after this.
0: NSN Daily marching on for you here. Joining us, a good friend of the program, and, and uh, ours is uh, Joe Bradley, Bradley, Drindla and attorneys at law and the law firm there. Uh, Joe, uh, everybody's been talking about small businesses taking care of their customers, but also taking care of your employees. What challenges have you found? I'm sure there are a multitude of them, and how have you been able to assist your employees in a
4: time where we're all doing things a little differently? Well, we've been lucky, Brian. We've been able to keep our entire staff employed. We're working remotely. It's, it's not an ideal situation by any stretch of the imagination, but we've been fortunate that we've been able to keep our staff intact. Uh, we work skeleton crews that come in in staggered hours. Uh, we hope to get back to a partial reopening by June 1st. Uh, We are in the people business. It's our business to see people and to meet with them face to face. So uh, that's been a challenge. But you know, our clients have been uh, particularly understanding and uh, we have just an absolutely fantastic office staff that are dedicated and loyal to not only to the law firm, but to our clients. And so for that we're fortunate, and
1: we've made it work. What's it been like for you working from home? I mean, obviously, you guys put in long hours in the office. Uh, yeah, it, what, what's just kind of been your impression of doing everything from the house? It's hard because I typically work with I have my
4: own team. I have a paralegal and I have a med tech, and And we work as a team in gathering information, preparing documents, preparing filings. Uh, and so it, it's hard because I'll have to do it by email or do it by text, do it by phone, and um, it, it really makes it tough. And then you have the whole other situation. I'm a trial lawyer. I'm a courtroom lawyer. And a lot of our stuff that we do occurs in the courthouse. So uh, it's the courthouse is closed. Uh, we have to do it by remote filing. And so it's, it, it's been a real change. I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, it's been literally, what, two and a half full months now, almost, and we're moving towards a reopening. And I'm, I'm really for not only for us, but for the rest of the business community. I mean, it's so difficult. And I'll be really glad for everyone to see them get back to some sense of normalcy.
2: Joe, I've been doing a feature on our website called Takeout Tuesday, trying to feature some local businesses and and kind of telling people where I'm eating and stuff. uh, As you've gone through this, are there any restaurants that you've kind of been your go-tos is like, all right, I got to pick up from these guys. Uh, Who have you been supporting?
4: You know, it's funny. It's funny. You should ask that. We have, uh, we live up in the Southwest up off of Skyline Boulevard and my little go-to restaurant La Vecchia right up on the corner of Cash Hill and Skyline, they chose not to do takeout. So that kind of hurt. Um, they are going to reopen later this week, I think, or early next week, I think around May 20th, but we also go down to taste of Thai and that's been really uh, good. They do a great job with their takeout. They're super friendly people. It's, high quality food. So that, that's something we've done. And, uh, we tried things like PF Chang's, which was okay. We tried, uh, uh, I I've got to support, you know, I'm a lifelong resident of, of Reno, Nevada and, uh, the, the, the standby businesses like the Coney Island, you know, we got, we got some takeout from the Coney Island <laughs> and, uh, I'm trying to think, think of some of the others but it was uh it's been for the most part it's been good. We've we've honed our cooking skills <laughs> a little bit. Yeah.
2: You got got to get in the kitchen. I actually've never been to Coney Island. I've heard it's one of those oh. like institutions though. Yeah. I'm trying to think what's the other place on 4th Street that does um ravioli, a real old oh, school yeah. joint.
4: What is that is that uh uh Mont- yeah, that's right, what- that halfway
2: yeah. club yes halfway oh that's
4: yeah. always halfway club yeah, yeah, got, yeah i mean those are places you you absolutely have to go to if you're gotta gonna put them on my list. Oh, you're, you're gonna call yourself a renoite you have got to go and and have lunch at the coney island and go have the raviolis at casales you just got to <laughs> do that
0: joe bradley with bradley drendel and janae you know alex when you ask Somebody like Joe, he's an attorney. This is a trial year, and you ask him for a review of a restaurant. There's going to be no bull there. He's going to tell you exactly <laughs> what he thinks. And I love that about this guy. You know, Joe, we're fortunate as, as four gentlemen that have worked and lived in this community for a long time to work in an arena, whether it's Mackey Stadium, Waller Event Center, or the courtroom. You get to work somewhere, and it, it, it's it becomes literally part of you.
4: How much do you miss the courtroom? You know, I really miss the interaction. At the courthouse, I miss the interaction with judges. I miss the interaction with the court personnel. Uh, I've had to conduct a lot of the stuff that we do nowadays, whether it's uh, whether it happens in a courtroom or it happens privately, are mediation, settlement conferences, that sort of thing. And you get together and you have your client and the defense lawyers there. Sometimes we do it in a courtroom. Sometimes we do it in an office, but everybody is there and you go back and forth and it's the face to face that often accelerates the process of getting cases resolved. And we've had to go to, you know, like Zoom type meetings and over the phone mediations. And my clients don't really get the the general sense of their day in court, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a it's a little... There's a little more, less formality to this scenario than to a face-to-face scenario. And so that form, I missed the formality of it and the, and the catharsis, yeah. the,
1: the day in court feeling
4: and my yep. clients miss it.
1: You're also a big-time Wolfpack fan. I mean, you were uh, the president of the AAUN, the Wolfpack Central fundraising arm for a period. Uh, how do you think they're going to be able to navigate this period with kind of uncertainty about what's going to happen with our college athletics and what can the community kind of do to make sure the Wolfpack sh- uh, stays as strong as possible? Well,
4: you know, that's a great question, Chris. And, and as you know, uh, I, did, I did two terms as a president of the AAUN, and I've done two terms as chair of the UNR Foundation. I believe that the that the university, both academically and athletically, are the foundation for this community moving forward. Period, and being successful going forward with or without COVID. Um, I'm still on the executive committee of the AAUN, and we actually met and had a Zoom meeting with our with the other members of the executive committee just the other day. And you know, there's a huge question. I think you talked about it yesterday. You've got San Diego State, Fresno State. Uh, uh, San Jose. San Jose State. Uh, yeah, they're kind of
2: forgettable sometimes. <laughs>
4: right. <laughs> nah, never. Uh, <laughs> but in any event, they're out of the mix. And there's a there's a serious discussion about whether or not the football season will even take place. Now, there's been a lot of renewals. People have renewed their their season tickets and so on. Not on the level that we'd expect without COVID, but um, it's going to be a challenge. It, you know, the, budget-wise, the university was already as we know coming off of the the you know the 2008 2009 you know economic collapse uh the university went through the tortures of the damned right there and now to have this occur literally 10 12 years later it puts the university at every level under tremendous stress and i think that we're going to see that going forward. I It's going to be very challenging. There is going to be no state funding for athletics. Where, you know, where they're going to get their funding, how they're going to meet their budget is going to be a tremendous issue for the new president coming in. You know, Mark Johnson is stepping aside as of, let's call it, December 31st. He agreed to stay until until they name a new president and the new president coming in is going to have some tremendous challenges and he's not just going to be able to divine money out of thin air for athletics
2: joe um when you think about just sports and the fact that you know there isn't much of it going on right now we know you're a big sports fan Uh, are you finding yourself watching like korean baseball or uh replays there's a lot of replays and some championship games are you are you watching you know, beer pong? Are you watching our beer pong tournament? I mean, like we're trying, you we're know, I have, I, I have right somehow now.
4: missed your beer pong tournament. I've missed that. I, I hear you talk about it all the time, but I've missed that. I, I should watch that. I, you know, I've been watching the last dance. Haven't we all, you know, uh, I, I can't really get into the old times, you know, like the 2008 two A finals and, you know, that sort of thing. It's hard for me to, to get excited about that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a golfer and I'm a huge golf fan uh but I, it's really it's there's no there's no real drama in in watching last year's masters you know what I mean it just doesn't move me I do watch some of the instructional shows but uh, <laughs> you know uh and we've been able to get out and play golf recently so that's nice and uh uh I I'll tell you the dog gets a lot more walks. Now. Yeah.
2: yeah, we say the the dogs, all the dogs are win- the biggest winners of COVID. They they're getting no. all the attention. They're getting extra rubs. They're getting extra walks. No question, they're definitely definitely coming out ahead.
4: But I do it. My you know I have a 27 year old son who's in the process of graduating. He's got some summer classes left to take, but he'll graduate from Nevada. And he and I both enjoy. You know, we we love baseball and don't hold this against me, Chris, of course, being born here, you know, we're giants fans through and through really miss the giants, you know, miss giants, baseball. Uh, You know, I did get, I did get two two season tickets to the Raiders and I don't know if you saw but yesterday, all Raiders home games sold out. So we're kind of excited about that. You know, it gives us something to look forward to and we'll see how that goes. Joe Bradley with Bradley
0: Drendel and Janae. Uh, I believe the website is bdjlaw.com. Is that correct, Joe? That
4: is correct,
0: Brian. Everybody anybody needs your services in this time, uh, your doors are open, and we truly appreciate you coming on the show. and And obviously, people see your your commercials on our end. We appreciate the support uh, in a time where you know a lot of a lot of businesses have not been able to do it, and uh, we're trying to give back ourselves a little bit and 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 help out our local businesses because without the brick and mortars that are, that are the pillars of this town. We, we, we're not here, you know, so uh, appreciate the time. Stay sane in the Bradley household.
4: We will, Brian. Thank you very much. And we really appreciate, uh, first of all, you reaching out to us, and we appreciate the opportunity every day to be on your platform. It's a great show. You guys do a fantastic job. We all enjoy it here, and it's great for the community, and it's particularly good for Wolfpack athletes. Wolfpack Athletics. And from being my connection with the Nevada and Nevada Athletics, I I really appreciate the platform that you provide for the university. It's just great.
0: Uh, Thank you for the kind words. We'll have much more coming up here on NSN Daily right after this. NSN Daily rolling on on a blustery Monday. I don't know, guys, if you can hear it outside. My house is rattling because of the wind. I know we've got chain controls in the mountains, and Alex can't get up skiing. So uh, <laughs> we do the best with what we can. Our GOAT challenge continues. Um, the greatest athletes, coaches, sports figures from our area. And this time it's an eight nine matchup between eight Otis Burrell, track star, who people probably don't know a ton about. Chris, but you did a great write up on him. And uh, number nine, Frank Hawkins. The Hawk from a running back under Chris Alt back in the 80s. And he had went on to win a Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, let's go to Burrell first.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a high jumper. So he was a world class high jumper. He came to Nevada, he won two NCAA championships. He was the fourth member of the Wolfpack to ever win an individual title at the NCAA level. He was the first to win multiple titles. And then he goes out and he wins four out of five uh, US national titles. Um, So he was just a tremendous, tremendous athlete. He also was an All-American and at the college level in the 120 uh, meter hurdles. Um, uh, did not qualify for the Olympics, which was kind of sad in his career. He didn't have a great 1968 uh, Olympic trials. That was actually up at Echo Summit. Uh, so over here in our mountains, um, kind of a really cool venue that they put together just for those trials. But uh, it was fun just going back and watching how they used to do the high jump. So everybody knows the, uh, the flop where you kind of jump. Fallsbury flop. Yeah, but that's not how he did it. So no. he would do it as a straddler. So basically yeah. he would jump as high as he could straddle the, the high jump really quickly and get over uh, and he was actually the ninth person ever to hit the seven foot mark um, and it was just a tremendous tremendous athlete and did a ton of great things he's in the Wolfpack Hall of Fame he's in uh, his junior college where he went to before Nevada's Hall of Fame he's a Los Angeles kid so uh, you know he's got some really good accolades himself I do think Frank's going to end up winning this one because he has the name recognition uh, so he rushed for Nevada from uh, 1977 to 1980 Uh, Still holds the Wolfpack's all-time record in rushing yards, 5,333. That was an uh, FCS record when he set that. Uh, He was the third NCAA rusher to hit 5,000 yards in a career. He had 21 straight games where he had at least 100 yards rushing. And like you said, he went on to a really nice NFL career with the Raiders, played seven seasons there, won a Super Bowl uh, when they were in Los Angeles. So he's probably going to win it based on name recognition. But both of these guys were tremendous uh, kind of uh, throwback athletes for the Wolfpack.
0: Yeah, Alex. It's tough to not talk about Nevada football and bring up either Chris Alt or Frank Hawkins. And I mean, you're talking about Hawk playing in L.A. with the Raiders, and he's in the backfield with Marcus Allen. I mean, I can only imagine that sort of thing. I think he's going to win this in a landslide, uh, just because the name recognition. But to be able to be that guy and to play in a backfield with Marcus Allen and win a Super Bowl. Yeah.
2: Play. What a tough uh, nine seed. If you're if you're the eight seed right there, that's a tough nine to to play against a guy that. Is in the College Football Hall of Fame. Only him and Chris Alts uh, have garnered that honor. A Super Bowl champion with the Raiders. Uh, I mean, the, the resume is incredible for Hawkins. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for any running back to ever do what he did. And, and obviously, it was at the FCS level. But still, I don't think that takes away from anything that he was able to accomplish on the football field. Um, just an unbelievable athlete. Uh, a special, special player that came through Northern Nevada.
0: I still remember scrolling through old, uh, old tape. Back in the day, and looking at uh, the day of the Hawk back in 1980, Chris uh, just reminded me uh, of the stats on it 38 to 7 victory by Nevada over Idaho. And Chris Alt runs out to what seems to be almost midfield, grabs Frank Hawkins, and he's so excited. He raises Hawk's arm in triumph and he's pointing at him and telling people, to, I've never seen Coach Alt. I mean, you've seen him emotional on the sidelines. I've never seen anything like that. But then again, that was, you know, you're talking 1980. So you're talking Coach Alt early part of his coaching career and you know at the same time he's he probably feels like he could still put a helmet on and go out and play with these guys but uh you want to be a part of our GOAT challenge and vote on that this week or today it's Otis Burrell against Frank Hawkins go to our website that's nevadasportsnet.com to put your input there coming up next after the break we did have live sports over the weekend nobody watched in person but did you watch on tv we're going to talk about that coming up next Welcome back to NSN Daily. You know, we're all getting used to uh, kind of living without live sports. We don't like it. We're not going to put up with it forever, but we're kind of dealing with it. And, but we did have some live sports happen this weekend uh, down in Florida. Uh, at Seminole, you had a, a skins match uh, go between Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson against Ricky Fowler and Matt Wolfe. So two of the primetime guns in, in golf, and then Ricky Fowler, who has a big name, and then Matt Wolf, who's the NCAA champion, coming. Out of Oklahoma State, I'm um, a good buddy of Ricky's, uh, both uh, both Cowboy alumni, and all proceeds from the event went to COVID-19 relief charities. Alex, uh, you and I both watched this. It just felt a little different. It was cool to see some of the stuff that they were doing. The, the players were mic'd up, um, but it was cool to see it.
2: Yeah, it was fun to get them kind of in competing and, and chatting it up. And I love the fact they were wearing shorts. I thought that was a big win for golf uh, this weekend. You know, I, I I'm a big. Uh, proponents of uh, of shorts on the golf course. Uh, I don't think I've ever worn pants. And I feel like, you know what, on the PGA Tour, if they want to wear shorts, they should be able to wear shorts. Uh, so that was different, uh, seeing these guys walk around uh, not in pants. But, uh, you know, it was cool just to see some golf again. It actually inspired me to get out and play golf. I was sitting there watching with a buddy of mine for a couple hours. He said, you know, what? let's go play nine holes. It was like an, we got to get out and go swing some clubs now. So it was cool. Uh, good to see some golf. back, And it's a preview in some way of what we're going to see here possibly in the next couple of weeks as the PGA Tour uh, looks to resume and, and play without fans uh, starting in the middle of June.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to me, Chris, to, to also see there were no caddies, so the players had to carry their own bags like the rest of us have to do if we're going to walk a golf course. Uh, but there were moments when you could tell these guys kind of got a little too comfortable, whether the players got too close to each other. One of the reporters, I'm not going to call him out, but early on, a reporter walked up to interview Dustin Johnson, and he's standing there with a microphone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Later on, you could see somebody had said something because he was walking up with Wolf up a fairway, and they were about six, eight feet apart because Wolf had a microphone on, and he could just talk to each other. But it's going to be so hard for journalists to not do what we're normally doing. Usually, you're shaking hands with an athlete. You're standing here close to are intimate talking to an athlete. It's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, the media is kind of phased back into covering some of these events. I mean, hopefully the NBA and the NHL are able to get back out there and finish their playoffs and crown a champion. Uh, hopefully there's a Major League Baseball season, at least a truncated version. Then you look forward to, like, college football. Like, will we be allowed in the press boxes to cover games if their games are games at our event center? Will we be able to sit down there on press row and be able to report back to the fans whether they're able to go or not? Uh, my big takeaway from watching some of these live sporting events, the UFC, WWE, uh, NASCAR had its first race, and then the golf event, is just I think fans are a lot more important than people ever really realized I mean it's not the same when you don't have fans there it's not the same if you have to pump in fake noise or something like that I mean the fans add an ambiance and energy and excitement uh, that just doesn't exist when they're not there I mean you watch some of these Korean baseball games on ESPN and yeah they're cool to watch but um, there's just a stoicism to them when you don't have the fan base there. So I think it's really important and hopefully it shows the athletes how important the fans are as well. And, you know, you can go out there and you can make your millions of dollars you can go and play the game. But uh, if the fans aren't there cheering you on, it just doesn't feel the same. The, the energy and the atmosphere is just not uh, the same without the supporters. So uh, hopefully we are able to get fans in there safely. We are able to get media in there safely. and We are able to resume sports. But that's kind of been my big takeaway so far is that fans are maybe even a little bit more important than I realize in terms of making sure these sporting events are as great as they remember or as we remember them to be
0: in all they raised about five and a half million dollars for charity with this event but the event that was i was surprised they were able to do this was nascar nascar returned to darlington and uh it was on fox our sister station fox 11 on sunday uh, kevin harvick took the victory and of this one he does the burnout at the end gets out of his car and there's nobody in the stands you can tell he was like Why did I just do that? There's nobody here. But they had uh, the pit crews were all social distancing. Everybody was wearing masks. Drivers were not allowed to qualify. They were kept in their trailers until the race was about to start. I know you guys aren't the race fan that I am, but during the broadcast, they talked about how only four members of the media were allowed to cover this event. Just four. When hundreds, if not thousands, would cover a big race or a big event like this. It was just weird, but it's a step in the right direction, Alex.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be different. Like Chris said, we don't know what it's going to look like for us. You know, a uh, barracuda championship comes here uh, right now at the end of July, you know, will we be able to cover that event like we have in the past? And, and, you know, you do start thinking about college football and college basketball season, what that's even going to look like, if it's going to be played, are we going to be there? Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty in our profession for sure. And, and um it, it is odd. You know, I, I think that the fanless factor is odd. Um, you know, Fox has talked about during NFL games pumping in crowd noise and, and actually graphically, like, placing fans in the stands. While it's it it's kind of weird, like, is that a worse alternative than it being empty and, and completely dead? Like, I don't know. I, I almost like to see it just to see what it looks like and to see if it does add a little bit more – juice to the whole thing but I think yeah watching sports without fans it's going to be weird for a while it's part of this quote-unquote new normal we're going to have to deal with for a little bit but um, it's strange to say the least there's no doubt about it.
0: Chris would you want virtual fan noise pumped in?
1: I don't think so I mean I think as a you know journalist your objective is to report the game or the news as it happens so I think if you're taking it to another level of superimposing something that's not happening into the event now one thing that they potentially could do and get fans at their home and have them cheering and you kind of impose that kind of noise into it, kind of like they did with the NFL draft where Roger Goodell would look back to a screen. There'd be seven or eight groups of fans back there. They'd kind of get into it before the you know draft pick is announced. Um, but I, I just don't I, – I mean, you always – you were to hear like music at NBA games. You do something like that where you're adding some kind of sound via music. I just don't know about the fan noise, and and that could be an unfair advantage for home teams depending upon how loud they play that. So uh, I I would probably go against doing that, but I understand why people would want to do that just because it would add a little bit of ambience, a little bit of, uh, you know, entertainment.
0: Now, once again, it's one of those experiences where we're driving down a road that we've never been on at night, and uh, we're going to kind of, you know, feel our way through this as we go. We'll be right back with some final thoughts here on NSN Daily right after this. Wrapping things up here on NSN Delhi, I want to thank uh, Christian Walker for coming on the show with us. Uh, can't wait to see them back out on the field very soon. And uh, Joe Bradley always great to talk to him. Uh, not just an attorney in our town, but a big Pack fan and Pack booster as well. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Jordan Simmons, uh, incredible man who who puts together the workouts for the University of Nevada and Takeout Tuesday. That should be a lot of fun, uh, Alex. Uh, shows us another hidden gem when it comes to foodie spots here in northern nevada for alex margulies and chris murray i'm brian samudio we'll see you next time